Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now. Want to welcome all of our viewers tonight. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday evening. And we got a treat tonight. We got a video. That's right. We are going to be starting off tonight with a video. After I greet some of you who are joining us, Khaleesi is with us. CC Wheezy is with us on YouTube. Welcome, guys. Dice, whose video we're going to show here in a bit, is also with us. Philip is with us on Facebook. Libya is also. Libya, sorry, is with us on Facebook as well. Welcome to all you guys. I see Justin has just joined us as well. Let's see, on the Instagram side, David is with us, Raphael. Uh, let's see, NBK, welcome to all you guys. Manuela has just joined us on Instagram. So, we got a video today from, like I said, Thais Barros, who we have seen plenty of videos recently from, and they're all great. I love this video because is it is a compilation of all the losses that we have had to endure throughout the years on The Walking Dead. Obviously, you can't fit them all in one video edit, but it hits on some of the highlights. And the name of the video is called Burden. So without further delay, guys, let's get right to it. Here it is. And nowadays you breathe and you risk your life. Every moment now. You don't have a choice. The only thing you can choose is what you're risking it for. Let me carry your burden. If something's not right, I will let you know. Like the paint that's drying on a heart that's poor. Let me carry your burden. Get you back on a high when you're feeling low When the weight's too heavy but you won't let go Come to me, my brother, and I will sit with you while Pretty soon I see you smiling, you know you will No matter how much you're working Everything will change in time So let me carry your burden Let me carry your burden When your mind's on fire but your mind is cold And you're finding flames that won't keep you warm Come to me, my brother, and I will sit with you while Pretty soon I'll see you smile and you know you will No matter how much you're running right now You know that everything will change in time Let me carry your burden Carry your burden Come tomorrow You'll be right as rain It'll quench your fire Wash away your stain Come to me my brother And I will sit with you While soon I see you smiling You know you We can make it together. We can only make it together. So 
So there you guys have it. I want to thank Thighs for uh, submitting that to us. And it's about, like I said, the losses and how people used friends and family to get through all those tough times. want to welcome some faces that came in while the video was playing. Hello to Philip from Montana. Lisa is from Georgia. Welcome, Lisa. Susiati is also with us. Uh, let's see. Justin Barrett says that has all the emotions. Very well done. Danilin is with us on Facebook, all the way from Malaysia. Welcome. Welcome, guys. Uh, Philip is watching from Montana uh, on Instagram. Let's see some of the comments. That's awesome. Just what we expect. Elizabeth is waving at us on Instagram. So very great video. Thank you so much for submitting that. And let's get on to some of the news that we have today. It is, it was kind of a slow headline day today. Not a whole bunch of uh, interesting stuff to talk about. But we did manage to find some stuff, as we always do. The first one on the list is Deny. Deny Guerrero lands new role away from The Walking Dead. Marvel and The Walking Dead star Denai Guerrero is fast becoming one of Hollywood's most sought-after stars following her stunning tenure as the zombie hunter Michonne. Ahead of her rumored return to the AMC horror franchise, her next feature film role has just been announced. Denai has lined up yet another post-The Walking Dead role in the upcoming biopic telling Shirley Chisholm's history bid for the White House. Michonne, played by Denai, may have departed in the latest season of The Walking Dead, but her legacy lives on. Following the disappearance of Rick Grimes, the sword-wielding warrior took off in search of The Walking Dead's former leading man as one of the series' most popular characters. Michonne is eventually expected to make her thrilling return to the walker-infested American wasteland. However, whether this will occur in The Walking Dead's new spin-off, World Beyond, or the upcoming trilogy of films centered on Rick Grimes has yet to be announced. There has even been be there has been talk of her possibly even returning to the TV show. So we're going to see Michonne again. There's very little doubt about that. It's just where and when. That's what we don't know. Uh, I don't think she even knows yet. In the meantime, Denai has continued to make waves on the big screen, landing several challenging roles outside of her blockbuster career. Guerrera is now confirmed to be playing U.S. politician Shirley Chisholm in the upcoming historical drama, The Fighting Shirley Chisholm. After becoming the first African-American woman elected to the United States Congress, the biopic will detail Chisholm's historic run for the presidency in 1972. But a lot of you guys did not know that out there. Uh, let's see what's going on in the chats. Uh, let's see. Saz says that was an awesome video. Uh, Thais writes, do you think that she's going to be in the, right, in the Rick Grimes movie since the start? I do believe she's going to be in the Rick movies. Not from the start. Uh, in fact, I'm willing to probably bet uh, if there really is going to be three of them, we might not see her till the very last one. Some other people, we've discussed this before, some other people feel that we might see her in the second, but the possibility of, of us seeing Denai as Michonne in the first one mm, doesn't seem likely. I don't see how that's going to work. Uh my best guess would probably be the last one, which would be the third movie. Either way, we're going to see Michonne again. We just don't know when or where. Uh, I told you there were rumors of her even possibly returning for some episodes for the final season of The Walking Dead. Although it's not going to be the first half of season 11. If she does come back to the TV show it's probably more than likely going to be in the second half, which is going to be in 2022. But we just have to wait and see. 
want to welcome uh, Thiago, who's joining us from Brazil. Brazil, guys, Brazil is so huge in The Walking Dead. It's amazing. And I just want to give a shout out to all our fans watching in Brazil. It is amazing how huge The Walking Dead is in Brazil. It is huge. It is it is phenomenally huge. All right, next thing on our list that we have, Negan is still a problem in fear. Just that we saw just as we saw in this last uh, Sunday's episode. Despite being on a different show, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Negan is having an impact on Fear the Walking Dead Season 6. Negan hasn't been a full-blown villain for several, for several years in the Walking Dead universe, but some characters still have not recovered from the struggles and tragedies he put them through. Negan indirectly led to one of the biggest changes to Fear the Walking Dead in Season 4, as it was his actions as the leader of the Saviors that ultimately led Morgan, played by Lenny James, leaving The Walking Dead after Season 8 and striking off on his own. He also contributed to the show getting its second crossover character in Season 5, when John Dory, played by Garrett Dillahunt, and June, played by Jenna Elfman, crossed paths with the former savior, Dwight. And Dwight was searching for his wife, Sherry, who ran out on the saviors back in Season 7 of The Walking Dead. After taking a break from looking for her, the two finally reunited in Fear of the Walking Dead Season 6, in the episode prior to this last one that we saw, which would be episode four of season six. In this latest episode, which was called Honey, reveal that uh, shadow, the shadow of Negan continues to linger on the show. Instead of moving on with everything that happened when Dwight and Sherry were with the saviors, Fear the Walking Dead is continuing to focus on this period of their lives. And I believe I said this yesterday, and I'm going to say it again. I am glad that for the first time on Fear of the Walking Dead, they acknowledged Negan by his name, as opposed to always referring to Negan as him and the, and the sanctuary as that place. I'm really happy that they actually acknowledged Negan by his name. And I thought that small detail, but it matters a lot. After finding out that Sherry was fully invested in her new group's mission to kill Virginia, Dwight discovered that Sherry's resolve had more to do with Negan than it did with Virginia. A mention of him made it clear to Dwight that living with Negan still haunts her. Knowing that being one of his wives put her in a position to kill him, Sherry struggles with guilt because she chose not to act against him. Personally, I don't think Sherry has anything to feel guilty about. There were a bunch of Negan's wives that did try to get him killed, with the help of Eugene, but Eugene did not come through. So, you know, besides Sherry crawling up on him in the middle of the night, which I believe from what we saw, Negan, at the end of the day, slept locked away in a separate room from the rest of his wives. Uh, that's the indication they gave us. Uh, we never actually got to see how Negan, when he was the leader of the saviors spent his nights, but he wasn't dumb enough to make himself vulnerable in the middle of the night to anybody, including his so-called wives, who probably had the biggest reason to want him dead uh, more than any other of the saviors. Sherry now copes with the guilt of helping Raleigh and his allies get revenge on Virginia and her pioneers, the mental anguish Sherry suffered while being with Negan has affected her to such a significant degree 
that Dwight's decision to dissuade her from going down this path has caused them to temporarily go their separate ways. In The Walking Dead, Negan stood in the way of Dwight and Sherry being together, and that's true even now in Fear the Walking Dead. Because of Negan, Sherry and Dwight's pathways have diverged, with Sherry still intent on taking out Virginia, and Dwight deciding to go with Morgan and Althea to rebuild the new place that Morgan found that they can all hopefully safely live in after the Virginia issue is dealt with. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, Denai is going to be awesome in her role and in her future projects. There is no doubt about that. I want to welcome uh, Aristo, who's just joined us on YouTube as well. Uh, So the article also goes on to say, the episode also explores the hold that Negan and the Savior still has on Dwight. Dwight became a better person in Season 5 and seemingly escaped his past, but this past episode, which is called Honey, shows viewers that Dwight, the Savior, is still in there somewhere. The remainder of Dwight and Sherry's arc in Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 could see the two characters continuing to deal with the impact that Negan had on them. Dwight can continue to change, and in so doing, if he reunites with Sherry, he can help her move on and finally put Negan in the past. But there's no doubt about it, guys. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Negan is still a big issue. And he's a, he's a big issue on a show that he's never even appeared on. And that's Fear the Walking Dead. From Morgan to Dwight to Sherry, that's just the kind of character that Negan was. So, uh, Risto writes, what do you think the key opens on Fear? That's a good question. And like I mentioned in the past, I have no idea. No idea. I don't even have a theory as to what that key unlocks, uh, but it's valuable. Uh, people want it. What we do know, it's that group of unknown people who we don't know who they are yet, the ones that have been spray painting, the end is the beginning. We thought they might be part of the, the white masked people. They're not. They are their own little separate group. We don't know how big they are. They have their own agenda, no idea what it is, no idea what their slogan, the end is the beginning, means, but obviously the key to that beginning has something has something to do with the key. <laughs> uh, so we just got to wait and find out. We got to watch and see what that's all about. It's going to unfold. And a little side note here, guys, that you may not know, the first half of Fear the Walking Dead this season is only going to be seven episodes, not eight, according to what's listed so far. So we only have two episodes left of the first half of Fear the Walking Dead. Now, there's still 16 episodes slated for this entire season, which means that there are going to be nine episodes in the second part of this season which will probably start sometime in February, but only seven episodes for the first half. So we only have two more episodes, and the second one is going to be the mid-season finale. So we're about to approach a mid-season climax. Something's going to happen. A lot's going to happen. A lot has been happening. And I'm really curious how they're going to finish off the first half of Fear of the Walking Dead. Because uh, so far it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, Want to say hello to Philip Thomas, uh, who says he has to go back to work. Thank you for joining us, Philip. Uh, a lot of love hearts floating up on Instagram. Thank you guys. I love those things. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, uh, Watson is giving us a thumbs up. Glenn Ree is waving at us. Welcome to Peter, who's just joined us. Thank you guys for joining us. 
Uh, next article, uh, this is uh, more of, it's not even really an article. It's, you know, fans reacting to the whole New York trek uh, that's going on in World Beyond. Uh, the whole theory on some people believing it's not going to happen, they're never going to make it to New York, and how some other fans believe it is going to happen. Let's just read, and because I love to hear other people's opinions and theories. It's only about halfway through its first season, but so far The Walking Dead World Beyond has kept a very tight focus on its narrative. After the first episode established the world of the series, America 10 years after the events that kicked off the original Walking Dead, uh, it set the show off on a singular journey. Almost all of the action thus far has focused on sisters Iris and Hope, as well as their traveling companions who are on a journey across country to find their father, who sends them a distress signal from the headquarters of the secretive Civic Republic military, supposedly in New York. The only time we leave the perspective of their Nebraska to New York odyssey is to get brief flashes of CRM HQ, where it now seems clear that they are awaiting the group's arrival. Why? We have no idea. Why does the CRM want Iris and Hope to go to the to go to their headquarters? No idea. Why go to this elaborate plan to get them there? If they want them so bad, they could have easily snatched them up out of Omaha the Omaha colony, uh, while they were butchering, uh, butchering everyone there. The Walking Dead World Beyond is totally centered around this trip to New York. However, fans uh, of the series recently posted, what if the group never actually makes it there? Fans recently took to uh, threads to discuss the possibility that the series isn't actually going to see its characters reach New York, and that the entire trip may have been one big bait and switch. In the threads, New York is a red herring. Uh, they're saying, since episode four, I've been fully convinced that the New York trip won't ever actually happen. Well, the trip is happening. Whether they make it to New York or not is another thing. They went on to explain What's this New York trip is? Is it an arc that is to get used to all these characters, to know who they are, to get them to care about one another, and to become more experienced with the outside world and then defending themselves? Another theory is once we've bonded with the characters through the hardship of their journey, they expect the show to throw them into even more intense and unexpected situations. For them, the improbability of the group who are unprepared, undersupplied, and don't really even know where they're going, successfully traveling by foot from Nebraska to New York State seems too far-fetched, even for TV. They said they don't have enough episodes to show the journey to New York without a large time skip, and there's just far too many weird holes in the logic as opposed to the distance. That was sort of addressed last week, this past Sunday, when they actually got access to a vehicle. So obviously, whoever wrote this, this was written before last week's episode aired, where now they do have a truck. And next week's episode is going to be about them getting gas. And it looks like we are going to see some kind of CRM, uh, at the very least, outpost, fueling station, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's this big building that all, there's eight of them now that make a stop to try to get some gas, better yet, try to steal some gas. So we got to see how that plays out. But if they are successful in getting gas, then, yeah, getting to New York, even by the end of season one, becomes very plausible. And no plot holes there. Uh, so, we just got to wait and find out. 
want to welcome Mary61Mom. Adriana is also with us on Instagram and is waving. So welcome to all you guys. Thank you for joining us. The next thing we have, this is kind of interesting. AMC taps Mountain Dew in bid to open up Walking Dead to product placement. Now, you guys are probably wondering, what the hell is that? You guys, all of us, have watched movies, TV shows, where big company brands are shown in the TV show or the movie. The best example I can give you is how many times have you guys watched the TV show or a movie and have seen an Apple MacBook, okay? That is not just there because of convenience. It's the closest laptop they had uh, when they were filming. <laughs> Everything is there for a purpose. And Apple pays the movie, the TV show, to get their products onto the screen. You can sort of call it some kind of subliminal marketing, if you want to call it that. Well, AMC and The Walking Dead are going to start tapping into that. And you're wondering, as I was, well, how the hell are you going to do that in a world that dissolved well over a decade ago? So let's see how what it says. When you're fighting a legion of undead, you need reliable weapons, a plucky attitude, and this week, at least, a bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> the citrusy PepsiCo soda... Uh, will this Sunday appear in a new episode of AMC's World Beyond? And not only on screen, characters will mention the beverage by name in the scripted dialogue. Its cameo is part of a bid by the cable network to make one of its most foreboding series a more welcome place to one important constituency advertisers money this is definitely something that we love doing and we want to do more across the universe says kim granito amc networks senior vice president of integrated marketing in an interview cautioning that any appearance of a product in any in a scene of any walking dead series needs to be authentic to that world AMC has been extremely cautious when it comes to weaving product appearances into its signature series and its various spin-offs over the course of a decade. Indeed, there has been only one major Madison Avenue property featured in any of the series since The Walking Dead debuted in 2010, a Kiwi Green Hyundai Tucson that served as sort of a getaway vehicle designed to help the characters get out of difficult situations. Viewers on Sunday will see one of the World Beyond characters played by Annette Mahandru, who is Huck, a surprise another played by Nico Tortorella, with a, with a full bottle of Mountain Dew. Cloaked in a label that might have greeted a consumer around the year 2010. Is this legit? He asks, mentioning the soda by name. I will never stop missing these. I mean, I used to drink this like water back in the day. At the show's peak, a 30-second ad in The Walking Dead could cost as much as, check this out, how, how much do you guys think a 30-second commercial would cost during the peak of The Walking Dead? Any guesses out there? Oh, anyway, at its peak, when the show was averaging around 15 million viewers per week, it was over a half a million dollars for a 30-second spot during The Walking Dead which is a lot of money. I mean, the Super Bowl, I believe, starts at around a million, which is another very heavily watched event. While the same kind of spot in the spinoff Fear the Walking Dead might go for an average of 
$1,000, not cheap at all, according to a variety of surveys of ad prices. In recent seasons, however, a 30-second ad in the flagship cost $135,369, and the same in fear cost around $52,737. According to a standard media index, a tracker of ad spending, Pepsi spent $69.3 million on advertising in both series in the year 2019, according to Kantar, another tracker of ad spending. So there you guys have it. A lot of money, okay? So a lot of people complain of a lot of commercials on social media, especially when it comes to The Walking Dead, which in reality, it doesn't have any more commercials than any other show. You're still getting anywhere between 42 to 44 minutes of the actual show in a one-hour episode, and the rest are commercials. But that is over 15 minutes of um, commercials. And at 30 seconds each, at those kind of prices, that's what pays for all the elaborate designs and sets and makeup and for all the crew, cast, the whole nine yards for the shows that we watch. Not just The Walking Dead. Everything on TV. So... A little lesson in advertising there. Um, you guys have some wild guesses up there. $30 million. CC Weezy came in a little too low at 100000 Khaleesi said $1 million. Lindsay Sparks writes, wow, that's crazy, but very interesting. Commercials are there for a reason. And uh, we live in the age of the DVR where... If you're like me, if I'm about to watch a live show, I will wait maybe 10, 15 minutes to build up what I call a buffer to scan through the majority of the commercials. But as I'm scanning, if I see a commercial like a trailer for a movie or any kind of other commercial that looks interesting, I will stop and watch it. So commercials are very effective and it's big business, big, big business for almost every network out there, all of them. So there's always ways to advertise. And like I said, when I started this topic a few minutes ago, all those MacBooks that you see on TV shows and in the movies, yeah, Apple pays to get those products in there. Uh, every product, whether it's a Coke, a brand of potato chips, whatever, an iPhone, an Android, it's all paid for. It's not there out of convenience. So anyway, let's get started on tonight's topic. Tonight, we are going to be comparing the green farm versus the prison. The Herschel farm versus the prison that we were introduced to in season three. The Green Farm was season two. The Prison, of course, season three. Lindsay Sparks say, says, I was gonna say over a million. Oh, the numbers are crazy for the Super Bowl. First of all, the commercials that they make for the Super Bowl here in the United States are really entertaining. And a lot of people watch the Super Bowl who are not even football fans. A lot of people watch the Super Bowl just to watch the commercials because they're really entertaining. And they put a lot of money into making these commercials. And of course, they spend a lot of money in to the network that is, you know, hosting the Super Bowl to get those seen by the people. So big business, big, big business. Singer Chick writes, and everybody complains about all the commercials during The Walking Dead. If they could just put some of those in there, maybe we'd have some more airtime. Uh, 
Singer Chick also writes, that's me. I watch for the commercials. Yep. So Singer Chick watches, watches the Super Bowl for the commercials. And I bring up the Super Bowl because that is probably by far the most watched event in the United States. And also, along with that, comes the most expensive ad space to buy. So, comparing the green farm and the prism. As always, feel free to chime in, guys. And if you guys want to call in, I do have the phone lines open. Uh, the number to call in is 718-509-9270. If you're inside the U.S., if you're outside the United States and you want to call in, just open up your Skype app, look for us. Our name is Walking Dead Now. Add us to your favorites so you don't have to go searching again. And as long as you use Skype, it's a free Skype to Skype call. So if you want to chime in with opinion theories on tonight's topic or anything else Walking Dead related, please feel free to call in. So let's start by saying that these two places are obviously very different, where each place offers something that the other one does not have. Let's start off with the farm. The farm uh, was the home of Herschel, his two daughters, Maggie and Beth, as well as ranch hands Jimmy, Otis, and his wife, Patricia. The property was in a secluded location away from the dangerous survivors and the dead for the early part of the apocalypse. And for the most part, that's what kept them safe in the beginning stages of the apocalypse. But in the end, the walkers found it. It offered a lot of room to house multiple families, large fertile land for farming as well. We do have a caller. Hello, you're on Dead Talk Live with Viz. What's your name? Hello? Yep. Is this Viz? Yes, it is. What's your name? Hello, um, this is, uh, my name is Isaiah. I'm the shorty one to three person. Hey, Isaiah, what's on your mind? Hello, I just had a question. Um... Is there like, has there been an announcement um, about a certain date about The Walking Dead returning? Yes, early, uh, specific date, no. Sometime in early 2021, we are going to get six extra episodes that are going to be between season 10 and 11. And the best guess right now is sometime in October of 2021, season 11 is going to begin. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. No, thank you so much for calling in. All right. Take care now. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Uh, sorry. I uh, want to thank Isaiah for calling in. So, had some questions about when we don't have any official dates yet. All we know is sometime in early 21, we're going to get the uh, six extra episodes that are sandwiched between season 10 and 11. And at the end of 21, hopefully, uh, barring any more delays, we are going to get the start of season 11, which is going to spread over two years. So going back to the farm, uh, not far from the property is a small town where Glenn and Maggie got their medical supplies, where they went to that pharmacy. Uh, if you all remember, there's a chemist there. There's a space on the property to pitch tents, park RVs for campers as well. And if you guys all remember, the survivors, Rick and the gang, when they got there, they were not automatically invited in the house. They were all camping outside the property for the majority of season two. It wasn't until maybe the last couple of episodes, if that, where they were actually allowed to stay inside the house. The farm had its own generator. It had like 50, you know, heads of cattle, five wells and one large creek. And when you're talking about the wells in the green farm, how can we all forget the well walker? <laughs> one, I think for me, one of the funniest scenes in The Walking Dead, people trying to get a walker, uh, a big walker out of the well without spoiling the water 
any more than they did. Well, anyway, you can definitely say that plan went sideways. And poor Glenn risked his life again for nothing. And I think uh, T-Dog said it best at the end of that little uh, escapade where he said, well, I'm glad we didn't do anything stupid like shoot it. That's one, of, that's one of Irony's best lines on The Walking Dead. So anyway, although it seems like an ideal location to hide in during the apocalypse, eventually antagonists and walkers do chance their way up on it and ultimately destroyed the safe haven that the survivors have. There were a few other downsides to living on the farm. And one of these is the walker that fell on the well. The barn was full of walkers, thanks to Herschel, who put in his late wife and all the other people because he did not realize that they were dead. He really thought they were just sick and he was housing them in his barn until a cure can be released. And he found out the hard way that was not going to happen. And in fact, they are dead. There is no cure for the dead. Um, the property did not exactly have much in the way of a, any kind of a fence line. In fact, it really didn't have any kind of a fence line that could protect it. No walls, no fence line. It only relied on seclusion. Uh, there was a river that also protected it and acted as a barrier. After things went south, south on the farm, the survivors left and they found their new home uh, which was the prison. The West Georgia Correctional Facility, which I know you guys can't see, but I am wearing a t-shirt, you know, honoring the West Georgia Correctional Facility on The Walking Dead. Uh, the prison actually proved to initially be one of the best locations for Rick and his people. Uh, the strong fortified walls and fences offered a lot of protection, and the prison itself was large enough to share with other groups of survivors. Um, even though there was a great big hole in the back of the prison where Tyrese and Sasha came through, and some of the fences did need a lot of work, there were options to seal off blocks and materials and tools were available to maintain the fencing, and we saw as their time in the, in the prison progressed, they got even more creative with the walls. Uh, if you guys remember, they put up those big spikes on the gates that opened in and out to keep walkers at a distance. Uh, it really would have been a safe place if it wasn't for the governor. And if it wasn't for the governor, there's a big chance that they might still be there and thriving in the prison. But, you know, one psychopath can ruin it for everyone. Uh, it also had sniper towers. Towers can be used for lookouts, keep an eye out for incoming herds, or, you know, unknown people that you don't know what their intentions are. It had an infirmary. It had a cafeteria that we all know that the, the five prisoners that were discovered there by Rick and the group were living in that cafeteria since the apocalypse uh, all the way up until Rick and them showed up to, to let them know what's going on. And just like the, the farm, there was enough fertile land to farm and sustain themselves. Now, fertile land and prisons don't really go hand in hand, but Rick and Herschel did manage to make it very successful in growing crops in the front of the prison. Now we're going back to the days of Farmer Rick, where Rick had wanted nothing to do with leadership. He just wanted a break from that. Remember, there was a council set up in the prison, consisting of like three members. I uh, forget, it was like Daryl, Carol, Herschel, those were three of them. I'm forgetting if there was another one. But anyway, Rick wanted no part of that. He just wanted to be Farmer Rick. Didn't want to be in charge anymore. And he really wasn't 
until the governor showed up. And when the governor showed up, he insisted that he talk to only one person. And that one person, of course, was Rick. Uh, so Rick had to step back up again. And uh, he was left with no option. He just had to. And we all know how that turned out. Uh, there was a library inside the prison walls. A lot of books. Practical and technical skills. We remember it was Carol who was the school teacher. <clears throat> she above beyond teaching the kids what they should be learning in school. She wanted them to teach them how to use weapons. Some were opposed to that idea, but she was still doing it behind their backs but because she felt the kids needed to learn how to defend themselves when the time came, and she was absolutely correct. Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, loved Farmer Rick. Uh, Khaleesi writes, Sasha and Glenn, I think, were two. Uh, Angel is with us on YouTube saying, I love Carl. Uh, Wilson says, always baffled by how many walkers at the fences at the prison. Surely the prison is away from the population. They find you. They do eventually find you. The best thing you can do is to not get them all grouped up into a huge horde that will ultimately knock down your walls, knock down your fence. And that's why when they were in the prison, we, th we saw them go out every now and again and take out the walkers that were being lined up up against the fences. Because they knew if they let them line up and the herd got bigger and bigger and bigger, that fence was not going to hold. So anyway, continuing on, since knowledge had always been and will always be man's greatest weapon, these are the skill sets that you're definitely going to need when the dead roam the earth and they're very hostile survivors trying to take over what you have. Knowledge was an important aspect in rebuilding a community and in whole a civilization. When we compare the farm and the prison and the prison, sorry, both had areas of land on which to farm, and their secluded locations kept them safe for longer than any other place. The prison did offer more security, like I said, double fences, stone walls providing a far better physical barrier against the outside world. The different cell blocks and the series of mazes within the walls of the prison gave it an advantage over enemies who tried to invade as the, as the Woodbury people led by the governor on their first attack, um, which ended up with the governor killing his people because they're like, let them be. Let them live there. We'll live over here. But good old Philip wasn't having that. The survivor used their knowledge uh, of their home against the governor and were able to make his men retreat. While the farm doesn't have high fences, it was tucked away in the countryside, whereas the prison was more exposed to others due to its enormous structural size located off of the main highway. Let's not forget that when the flu began to spread throughout the prison in season four, which killed many people, uh, leaving them to turn, the group had the advantage of quarantining areas of the prison. So that was huge to be able to withstand a flu pandemic where if you did not have the right medicine, people were going to die, and then you would get zombie outbreaks inside your walls, which we did see happen. And then, of course, we have the people that took it a little too far when it came to trying to stop the pandemic. Carol, you know, she killed Karen and David. She overstepped her boundaries. I'm not going to go back into that. We've discussed that enough. But the point we're trying to make is if you're holed up in a prison, there is plenty of area to quarantine the sick, okay? And just Carol got a little too antsy and wanted it to put a stop to it right then and there. 
She basically killed two people who just had the flu. Uh, while these two locations are very different, they both had one thing in common. They both, at the end, fell. As almost every place did, uh, Alexandria has fallen three times. It has fallen three times, and it, is, it has come back each and every time. Uh, you might be asking yourself, which was the third time it fell? I counted when they deserted it with the Whisperers and Beta and the Whisperers came in with the Horde to uh, find everyone in Alexandria and all but uh, Alden and Aaron were still there. Everyone else had fled to the tower, a.k.a. the hospital. I count that as a time where Beta came in and took Alexandria. Now, he just left it. He didn't destroy anything. He didn't burn it to the ground. Uh, he just left it. He was just tunnel vision on getting blood. He was out, you know, blood for blood. He wanted revenge for them killing Alpha. And he didn't really care about where they lived. So he came in. They weren't there. And he left. Now, finishing up, the, the prison fell after the second attack by the governor. Uh, the governor ended, wanted it for himself. In reality, his true motivation was he just wanted to kill Rick. He wanted to kill Rick. He wanted to kill Michonne. He wanted to get revenge on the people that he felt hurt him. All right? Um, he wanted to get revenge to the, to, against the people that did defeat him. And he was not going to stand for that. Uh, this really shows us that no matter what or how things are set up, things can go wrong really quickly. And the survivors need to learn to be adaptable. And with the prison, they did have an escape plan. They had a bus. Okay, they had a school bus where they thought that if things ever went south, they would all have enough time to get in the school bus and flee. Okay, that did not work out. That did not work out at all. And they never set up a rendezvous point where if they did get split up, if the prison was to fall, besides the bus, they had no other escape plan. They didn't have a rendezvous point. If you got split up, we're all going to meet up at this spot. All right? None of that. Just a bus. Only a few people got on the bus. And everyone that got on that bus died. They died and turned. That's if you guys remember when Maggie is traveling and she finds the school bus, which she last saw Glenn supposedly getting on. Uh, when he was sick, uh, she finds the bus. It's like it's it's like wrecked at the side of the road. It stopped, and she goes. She approaches it very carefully, dreading her you know, the possibility of her seeing uh, Glenn inside, either dead or turned into a zombie. Her Abraham. Uh, Sasha take out the walkers and Glenn luckily was not amongst them. So bottom line, the getaway plan that they had for the prison, it didn't work. Okay. It was not very carefully thought out. Uh, they did not set up a rendezvous point and a lesson they learned the hard way. Uh, we can see that the survivors learned from their mistakes and now some of them have become leaders and Alexandria, Hilltop before it was burned down, and the mistakes that they've learned from the prison have been implemented in Alexandria. They, have, they are implemented in the Hilltop, and the Hilltop is going to be rebuilt. In fact, I would not be surprised if by the time Season 11 starts in October, hopefully of 2021, we're just going to see the hilltop already rebuilt. Uh, whether we know that the big center structure obviously is not going to be there. It's not going to look the same. It's going to be maybe a, a much smaller building made out of whatever materials they have available. 
But out of all the communities that we currently have in the Walking Dead universe, the hilltop is by far the most fertile land. And they're not just going to leave it because the Whisperers burnt down the buildings. They're not. The Whisperers have been defeated. Uh, They're going to go back. The survivors are going to go back to Hilltop because they know the value of that land. Okay? The walls are mostly burnt. They can be rebuilt. So it would not surprise me one bit if at the start of season 11, we see the the Hilltop already rebuilt. And we're not going to actually get to see the process of them rebuilding it. It's, I mean, it's pretty dull. Who wants to see them putting up a new building and sheds and so on? So that's my guess. So anyway, guys, we are almost out of time for tonight. I just want to read some of your comics, comics, comments before we go. Wilson on YouTube writes, they lost a lot of people at the prison, sickness, walkers, etc. That's absolutely the truth. Welcome to Summer, who joined us on Facebook, who also writes, the governor sucked. Yeah, he was pretty, he was a pretty bad dude. Jason on YouTube writes, Lizzie started to go nuts in the prison with her belief that the walkers were real people and were her playthings. Lizzie had some issues, no doubt about it. I mean, she ended up killing her little sister because she thought that they were better off if they were to die and come back as one of the walkers. She truly believed the walkers were just a different type of people. She gave them names. Remember, she fed them. She was the one that we saw uh, in the beginning of one of the season three, season four episodes, sorry, feeding the rats to the walkers just outside the fence. We saw her slowly start to get worse and worse, where as we are watching those episodes, we knew that something was going to happen it was come to a, it was going to come to a head in one way or another in regards to Lizzie on The Walking Dead. The way it happened, though, what she did, I think surprised all of us. If anyone here says that they knew that, <clears throat> sorry, that Lizzie was going to kill her sister Mika, uh, I'd have a hard time believing you because what they did. I think it shocked the crap out of all of us. I did not see it coming. And I doubt if anybody else saw that coming as well. Um, Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, Lizzie was off before the prison. That's true. We don't actually get to see a quote-unquote sane Lizzie. Uh, You can very much say that the trauma with Lizzie started when her mom died. And it got a lot worse when her father died inside the prison. When we got to meet Lizzie, she was already thinking of the walkers as her friends, her buddies, naming them, feeding them, and so on. We never got to see how it all started for her. But you could surmise it might have been it might have happened when she lost her mom. And then losing her dad did not make things any better. Uh, Summer writes, it shocked me that Carol killed her. Well, Carol has always been the one to step up and do the stuff that nobody else wants to do. Lizzie was a clear danger to everyone alive. She was seconds away from killing Judith if Carol and Tyrese did not show up in that episode. So, uh, man, that episode is iconic. It's iconic. It's called The Grove. And it's also Michael Satrazimus' directorial debut. And what an episode did he give us. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Please visit us on the web. Our website is deadtalklive.com. Please visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Walking Dead Now. Throughout all our social media accounts, our account name is Walking Dead Now. 
on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night uh, with confirmation for a date for Zoe Coletti, Dakota. Uh, it's going to be very soon. I I know the date. We're, I'm just waiting for 100% confirmation tomorrow morning. But it's going to be very, very, very soon where we're going to have Zoe Coletti, Dakota, from Fear the Walking Dead, Virginia's sister, as our guest. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Stay safe and stay walking. <laughs>